ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a program for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And, uh, you know, Father, we, I, I think it might be similar in Brookings, um, but we seem to be sort of skipping spring, going straight from um, uh, ice uh, storms and snow to 90-degree heat. That was my fear. Uh, that was my great fear when the spring started to unfold the way it did. I was kind of worried about that. Yep. So, oh, well, it is what it is, as they say these days, which is a say. Anyway, we won't get into uh, pop culture sayings, which are completely irrelevant to this show, right? Well, at least to this episode. At least to this episode. You're right. Sometimes they're not irrelevant. So this episode, though, uh, we are recording this Wednesday, the seventh week of Easter, uh, between Ascension Sunday, uh, as we celebrate in our diocese on Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pentecost being the, the, the conclusion of the Easter season. Father, I, I, we may have talked about this on, on, on uh, prior shows. One thing that we do in our family, uh, beginning um, with Easter, Easter and through the Easter season is we conclude our, our family night prayers with uh, Jesus is risen and my my little minions all respond <laughs> in, in cultish union. He is risen indeed. <laughs> not, not, not quite that cultish. Um, Alleluia. So that's about to come to an end, Father. Easter is almost over. It is. It is. That's, that's kind of sad. I'll have to go back to fasting and some regular uh, fasting and abstinences, I suppose. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but it's not over yet, and it goes out with a bang, so to speak, with, with that, the great, the celebration, the feast, I think probably technically solemnity of Pentecost, in which we, uh, we recall and celebrate, and uh, I think make ourselves present, in a sense, to the the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the advocate, upon the apostles and other disciples, uh, 50 days after the resurrection, um, 10 days after the ascension um, in Jerusalem, way back almost 2,000 years ago. In some ways, it, you know, it, it, I think you know, theologians can quibble about these things, Father, but uh, so it's, many people celebrate Pentecost, so to speak, as the birthday of the church. Um, certainly a, a very powerful public manifestation of the community of disciples of Jesus Christ, wouldn't you say? Very much so, with uh, the prayer and the proclamations of the name of Jesus and the um, wonderful conversions at uh, Peter's preaching, uh, Certainly, a new something something totally new in uh, the life of uh, if you look at uh, all of uh, the uh, the revelation, all of the scriptures. It's something completely new that happens on that day. Absolutely, um, and, and so we see these these men who, uh, with all their faults and failings, which were present before and certainly remain in many ways. Um, we see, you know, later on, Paul rebuking Peter uh, for uh, cowardice, in, in a sense, in one occasion. So they're still sin sinful men, and yet through the power of the Holy Spirit, able to give great witness, both by um, deed and by word, to, to Jesus Christ and his gospel. Amen. So, um, 
I think one thing, you know, Father, as you and I talked in preparation for this this episode, sometimes, so, so we, we're celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes um, the Holy Spirit sort of gets maybe the short shrift in, in, in the, the minds or maybe the prayers of many Christians, including many Catholics, in the sense that, you know, this, we, obviously, obviously we often think of God the Father and certainly Jesus the Son. But, but the, the role, the importance, the reality, the personhood of the Holy Spirit sometimes can, can be forgotten in a sense. I know, sometimes, you know when we talk about the sacraments, confirmation is sometimes called the forgot, forgotten sacrament or the, the sacrament in search of a theology. Why do we have this, the, this sacrament of confirmation? What does it do that baptism and, and, and the Eucharist and so on, what does it do that they don't? And, and there are good answers to those questions, but, but sometimes people ask those questions. And I think something, something similar is true uh, with regard to the Holy Spirit, sometimes he's sort of the the forgotten person of the Trinity, or or the person of the Trinity looking for a theology, so to speak, and uh, at least in, in a popular sense. What do you think? Well, I think so, and I, it's, it's unfortunate, as you say, because there are great answers, and um, you know, and the Holy Spirit Himself uh, has a wonderful theology and uh, a wonderful uh, person. Yeah, I was in, even just going through it, and as you introduce that little question. Uh, Dr. Bergwald, the notion of, um, or just in, in the way that we've been given to refer to the Holy Spirit, and we, um, by the grace of revelation, we can call God Father. By the grace of revelation, we can call the second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, um, Emmanuel, Wonder Counselor, Prince of Peace, King Forever, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, um, and Son of David, and so many other wonderful titles. Um, the bridegroom, but with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, I think maybe one of the temptations we can run into, at least I can run into, is maybe that depersonalization just by the title of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, so elaborate on that a little bit. What, what in your own experience, and, and because I, I agree, uh, I'm just curious about your own experience. How how does how has that happened, so to speak? Well, I think it's. Uh, maybe more of a negative evidence than a positive evidence. Like, I can't so much say these are ways that I haven't, you know, maybe thought about the Holy Spirit as a person, uh, as just the fact that um, there's a temptation or a tendency not to just because of that simple, uh, that simple name difference. What's in a name, I guess? Uh, right. Uh, Shakespeare would have us ask. Um, and so, well, one thing I've actually started doing just on my own, just as I... Uh, grow more in relationship with uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is uh, to refer to him some of those other titles, counselor, friend, um, advocate, that, uh, that our Lord gives to uh, the Holy Spirit in, uh, in, in the upper room in John's Gospel, in John uh, 15, 16, 17. Right. Sorry, sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, that was a good... So, and I'm glad you brought that up because we've been reading, um, well, for a lot, it seems like a few weeks now, is it? It may be the, the daily readings at Mass, the Gospels have been drawing largely, um, if not exclusively, from from those chapters, several chapters in John's Gospel, where Jesus is, is speaking to the apostles and or praying to the Father uh, for for them and and about, and and about his own role and their relationship, et cetera. Uh, it seems like it's at least been the last several weeks. Am I right about that? In my recollection, right? Uh, except for when there's been a uh, um, 
feast, unless, except when there's a, been a feast day, it's been the, uh, the readings from John. Proper for that, right. So, and, and among that, we've been hearing um, how uh, Jesus is going to go and, and the, the Father is going to send or he is going to send the advocate or the paraclete. The paraclete is a word that's a little bit closer to the, to the Greek, um, but, but, but off, uh, other translations use this idea of the advocate. Uh, and, and, and it's an interesting choice. You know, I, I can't remember, in a homily recently that I heard, may have been at daily mass, may have been at, at Sunday mass, but uh, the point was made that it's an interesting choice because you know, it's, it's a lawyer. Uh, right. and, and, you know, there's a legal connotation. Uh, well, who the heck is the spirit uh, advocating for us against? Uh, it's the devil. Uh, the, in other words, that the Holy Spirit comes to our aid to protect us against uh, the evil one. One of the verses that struck out to me from the Gospels this week, Jesus prays or says to the Father, you know, I have not asked that you'll take them out of the world, but that you defend them from the evil one. And, and, and Pope Francis, and just briefly on this, but I know, you know, Pope Francis repeatedly in his early, uh, in this, this short pontificate already, um, has been speaking about the, the reality of of evil spirits, d- demonic forces at work, and that we now to be attentive to them and praying against them. And so Jesus is saying in the Gospels that we've been reading lately that the Holy Spirit is 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 the, our advocate who who comes to our aid, who defends us uh, in that way. And that's uh, that's a great thing, and and also too that uh, with, with the name also of counselor, which also has that legal connotation. I mean, anyone that's seen maybe some of those uh, lawyer TVs and like Law and Order, other TV shows like that, you know, counselor approach the bench. Right. Um, but again, that and sometimes we hear the word counselor and maybe we think about, you know, someone who sits, who talks to us or listens to us while we sit on a couch um, and uh, uh, and have our have our complaint. But um, really that a counselor or a lawyer in this way, an advocate, is also directed towards action. Not just to defend ourselves uh, in that way, but also towards action in that way, towards movement. What, what do you mean by that movement? In what sense? Well, uh, movement, action, uh, the the service of um, of um, uh, the service of the Christian life. Okay. And so yep. Not just of uh, oh, the Holy Spirit's here to listen to me complain <laughs> about how hard the devil makes my life. But no, to counsel you, take action against the enemy. You know, do these things to overcome the enemy in your life and the life of your neighbor. Right, and and that you know, the, and, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later. So, if you want to defer on this, we can. But that, what, as you say that, what, I'm reminded of the fact that you know, oftentimes when we speak about the spirit, we speak about the gifts and the fruits that he gives us that that specifically empower us to live out our faith, so that our faith is not some intellect exclusively intellectual cerebral thing of the mind, but that it takes life in our life it, that, that, that through our actions, we, we live it out. Uh, and we do that through the, the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think that's a great question. Uh, and an appropriate one, because it goes back to our original question, you know, uh, how do we know the Holy Spirit? Mm. And again, um, the church teaches us uh, with titles sometimes, and, and, and we refer to the Holy Spirit as a third person of the Holy Trinity. And, and any person is known by action. Right. I can't know who you are except by your actions, by your words, um, you know, things of that sort. And even then, it's, it's, it's still an imperfect knowledge. It's a limited knowledge. But that's the only way I can have any knowledge of you at all. 
and uh, and, it, and that, of course, then um, moves into I think for me how I've gotten to know the Holy Spirit a little more in my life, and that's by seeing Him in action in my own life. Um, and so we, we we talk about in the life of the Holy Spirit the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, uh, and fear of the Lord, uh, or wonder and awe in the presence of the Lord. Um, and so uh, to see these gifts in actions and see that uh, the purpose of this gift of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the life of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of Pentecost, of our confirmation, of our baptism, is to be receptive to these promptings of the Holy Spirit in things that theologians like yourself call actual graces, mm. um, uh, prompting us into action. We have sanctifying grace, of course, we're familiar with that, and we, you know, which is that saving grace, that grace that gives us divine life, but there's also actual graces, those, those little movements of of God, but by which He impels us to to go to confession, to repent of our sins, um, to stop and say a prayer, to call a friend um, that we haven't spoken to for a while, whatever it might be. Um, but that's uh, really part of the real dynamism, the real power, and also where we get to see the person of the Holy Spirit in action. And yeah, and I think you may have. I think you used this term just a bit ago as you were talking about that, you know, being attentive and that we, we have to, you know, this God, all three persons of the Trinity very rarely speak to us with a bullhorn. Uh, you know, the, the classic example from, from the old Testament at least is with Elijah and where God speaks to him, not in the storm, not in the earthquake, et cetera, but in the, mm. in the still small or the, the small, tiny breeze or, or wind that it's in response to that, that Elijah hides his face because he's no, he knows he's in the presence of God. Um, and of course the wind is one of the, the, the symbols of the Holy spirit. Um, but, but the, the, the point there, that it seems to be a truth of the spiritual life, uh, that, that, that that God often speaks to us in our hearts quietly. And so to hear him, we need to listen carefully and listen attentively to what he is prompting us to do as you were just to give you those examples. You find, I find that to be the case. I'm guessing you do as well as you, for yourself and others that, that you direct. Yeah. And, uh, or even just in the lives of parishioners and, and so forth. Um, it is that small whisper. Um, and sometimes you only know that he, he spoke after he spoke. Um, mm. Like, for me, just an experience as a, as a young priest would be, um, you know, you, you have your day and you plan your day, and like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray this prayer at this time and this prayer at this time just as part of my duty. And then all of a sudden you have a little free moment and a little thought comes in your head, oh, you should pray right now. No, I'm going to do that at 3 o'clock. Right. <laughs> pray right now. I'm do it at 3 o'clock, you know. And 3 o'clock comes and all of a sudden there's a knock on your door or a phone call or something happens and all of a sudden, you know, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm doing, you know, my evening prayer at nine, you know, together with my night prayer. And, um, it's like, wow, that might've been God telling me to pray. And then, so the next time it happens, you hear that and you're like, oh, and then, you know, you do it and things work out, uh, for your good in that way. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, for me, it's been kind of part of that practical introduction. And, and, and those little things are, 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 are actually, uh, can be significant steps in the spiritual life. I'm, I'm reading right now uh, a book by uh, Martin. 
Fran- not Francis Martin, the uh, Ralph Martin, Ralph Martin. Um, uh, um, uh, on, and, and it's a book in which he goes, t- takes seven doctors of the church who are particularly spiritual masters, uh, teachers, doctors of the spiritual life. Uh, people like St. Bernard and St. Augustine and, and St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, uh, St. Therese of the Sioux and so on. And, and one of the points he makes early on is is how, referring particularly to St. Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa of Avila, uh, very early on, in fact, when she was a, a young teenager, she went and lived in a convent and then uh, was really drawn to that life. So um, when she, you know, 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there, she joined the convent, uh, but, but for about 20 years, really sort of lived a, a her, her initial fervor died out and she yeah. lived sort of a lukewarm uh, a, a life as, as a religious. As 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 a, as a nun, uh, and when she was about forty, she was really awakened to this. And, and so, ref- when she re- looking back and reflecting, you know, what what, what was it? What, what was it that happened? Why did I fall into that sort of lukewarm kind of faith? And one of the things she she mentions is the importance of being attentive to those little mo- movements of grace, the little movements of spirit of the spirit in our spiritual life. Yeah, I think that's, uh, and even just goes back to the biblical principles. Sorry to bring the Bible into this. Oh man! Yeah, but um, where our Lord says that those who are trusted in small matters will be trusted in large matters. You know, and so, and I think I think many people in their life, you know, wonder why isn't God talking? Why isn't saying something? And you know, well, maybe it's, He is. We just haven't gotten used to hearing His voice. Right. Right. Uh, to learning how He speaks, and that's part of any personal communication. You know, is the question. Okay, what did this person want? You know, do you know what they wanted? You know, and even like uh, the, the the business practice uh, in the business world. Okay, well, what did we just say? We just had an hour long meeting. What did we say? Yeah. Uh, what are the what are the things that we're walking away from this with? Right. And so that 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 whole idea of of you know getting used to somebody's communication style. We have to do that with God as well. How does the Spirit speak to us? Uh, again, quietly, and it, requ- it requires on our part attentiveness, uh, introspection, stillness, quiet. Uh, just last week, Father, we, we had a, a day for parish catechetical leaders, so DREs, youth ministers, catechists, and so on, um, a, on using technology and social media to, it, to advance the, the work of, of, of the church, particularly with regard to evangelization, but also on how it can make our lives easier. And I, it, just preparing for that day, you know, Pope Emeritus Benedict for the la- I think the last of the his last five messages for World Communication Day, four of them were about uh, internet, the new media, social media, you know, so Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. But one of them a couple of years ago was on uh, the importance when it comes to communication, and we may have spoken about this before, uh, but but the importance of silence for evangelization to be fruitful. And, and, and I think that's very much true. Well, I know it's true. Um, it's the truth of the spiritual life that if we're going to be attentive to what God wants, what he is saying to us, we need to find time for quiet. And it's, that's, that's hard in the world in which we live. But because of that, it's even more necessary than ever before, I think. Don't you? Very much so. And I, I'm, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, The Screwtape Letters, um, in which... Um, uh, if you're not familiar, uh, listeners, with the Screw Tape Letters, it's a, it's a short little book by C.S. Lewis written as a, uh, I don't know if I might call it a farce, but uh, um, of a conversation between a senior uh, 
demon and a junior tempting devil. Uh, and the senior demon is writing advice the whole time, written uh, his, his correspondence with the junior devil of how to uh, lead men into sin and away from the life of the kingdom of God. And one of the things there he talks about is noise. Mm. You know, that, um, that, through, that through noise, glorious noise, um, the, uh, uh, the promptings and suggestions of grace and delight of the enemy... God, uh, will be shouted down, and in the end, the world will be one loud noise. And that, yeah, and again, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Remember, this is a tempter talking to a tempter, so that, that, right. that, that, that we need to find time for quiet. So, Father, sort of turning again back to the Holy Spirit, who, in a sense, um, I, again, I think it's it's easy, just speaking from my own personal experience. It's easy for us to forget that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity, and not just God's power, not just God's action, not just His force, but He is someone. You know, every, and 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 we we indicate that every Sunday in the Nicene Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and Giver of Life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And there's so much there. Uh, the Catechism does a great job of, of, of unpacking a lot of that. But just to remember, the Holy Spirit is Lord. Um, the God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. The three persons are God, each of them together. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is one of those three persons. Uh, I, I, again, I think it's easy, and we've been talking about this, it's easy for us to forget that we, when we speak to the Spirit, we're not speaking to something, but we're speaking to someone. One. And, and, and that's, that, but that's an important part. I mean, it's, it's, it's a basic of, 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 of what we believe as Christians, but it has important ramifications for our spiritual life as well, don't you think? Very much so. Um, and uh, to expect a personal answer, to expect um, uh, that there is a personal interest in that way, that there is a personality in that sense. Right. And, and then this, you know, it, when you look at the catechism, I'm just going to point to a couple things here, but it speaks obviously very clearly, but very powerfully to me uh, about that reality and what it means for each one of us. So just to give an example, uh, in the catechism, uh, paragraph 683 is where the, the, the discussion of the Holy Spirit begins. And this is, this is how uh, part, well, one sentence from, from that, um, that paragraph reads, By virtue of our baptism, the first sacrament of the faith, the Holy Spirit in the church communicates to us intimately and personally the life that originates in the Father and is offered to us in the Son. So just as we talk about, you know, God knows each one of us individually and personally, and that's every person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Holy, Spirit. the Holy Spirit communicates to us intimately and personally the life that originates in the Father and is offered to us in the Son. And something, so I, I double underlined intimately and personally in my catechism, just as a, you know, to, to highlight for me the fact the Holy Spirit knows me and he wants to share this life of the Father given through the Son with me in a personal and intimate way. Uh, and then just the other thing, um, the following paragraph, 684. Through his grace, the Holy Spirit is the first to awaken faith in us and to communicate to us the new life. So he's the first to awaken faith and to communicate to us, which is known to the Father and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. 
But the Spirit is the last of the persons of the Holy Trinity to be revealed. So the Holy Spirit is, is, you know, works in us first to awaken faith and so on, but he is the last to be revealed. So God the Father was revealed in the Old Testament. Jesus is revealed at the beginning of the New, um, but the Spirit is the last one to be revealed, and yet he, he, he works in us, so to speak, first, which is, I don't know, something, just God is pretty humble was sort of my takeaway from that. Any, any thoughts on that uh, great insight? Uh, no, I, I, um, I, I definitely believe that God is pretty humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just that, um, yeah, it, it, it is pretty amazing in that way, but it, but also goes back to the whole idea of the, of the wisdom of God and the divine pedagogy that God chooses to reveal himself in the way that he chooses according to his reasons and to his, his practical reason, his, his reason that is, uh, that is true. And so it's not just his best guess on which way to do it. No, it's the right way uh, to do it for us. This was the right way to reveal himself to us. And so we, um, we, we entrust ourselves to that and to be, and to be, uh, uh, and to be part of that. Um, and so then it's up to us then, too. It kind of puts the onus on us. You know, are you, are you investing in a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? You know, um, uh, sometimes like some of our uh, Protestant Christian friends will ask you, you know, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And sometimes we're scared by that answer, and maybe rightly so if, if we don't have that relationship. But at the same time, to ask back to our friends, you know, yes, and I have them with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, do you have a real personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because that is what we're we're invited to. Uh, you know, that's 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 the goal that we're after here: union with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it, sharing the life of the Trinity for all eternity. Right, because it's not just it's not just a relationship with Jesus. It's not just give me Jesus, but it's a relationship with the whole of the Trinity. There's that famous icon. Um, Andrei Rublev of the Holy Trinity, maybe listeners, you could do a Google search on that, but um, Andrei Rublev of the Holy Trinity, and it's, it's, it's three angelic beings sitting at a table, but the fourth spot of this table, the square table, is open, the invitation for you into the life of the Trinity. Absolutely. So, Father, we have about a minute left. Just and again, we're we're, we're the 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 context for this is we're leading up to Pentecost, and and you know every Mass we remember the entire Paschal mystery. Pentecost, in a particular way, though, I think it, we're not just remembering um, the the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and others, but it's an opportunity for us, in a sense, to to renew our own devotion, our own adoration. Of, of the Holy Spirit and recommit ourselves to, to that relationship with him, inviting him to pour out upon us his gifts and living them out. Yeah. Uh, that, that living them out, of course, being that key part. Um, for us, you know, um, what happens after Pentecost in that sense? And with Easter seasons done, but we used to have a season of Pentecost. I, I know I, there's some old priests I go to for my confessions sometimes. They talk about the season of Pentecost since the middle of July, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, but, but really that's supposed to be that whole life of the Church, it, is that we live in this time of Pentecost, this time of the Holy Spirit acting out and living in that communion uh, with, uh, with our Lord. Absolutely. 
So with that, again, celebrate Pentecost this Sunday, but we are going to draw this episode to a close. Uh, don't hesitate to, to email me um, uh, on behalf of Father and myself with any questions you have. The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And until next time, dear listeners, may God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.